And if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. So we made it out of chapter 2, finally. <laughs> and we're in chapter 3. And I know I put the words on, on screen, but I would highly encourage you still to bring a Bible of some kind and even open it to the passage. Uh, or if you have a device, that's okay too. We won't look down on you. We won't have a device-ism in our church either. Uh, <laughs> no isms, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, and uh, Paul is writing to a group of Christians who have added to the gospel. Uh, uh, false teachers have come in and said, yes, you're saved by faith in Christ, that's true, but you should also be circumcised according to the law of Moses. You should also follow the food laws in the Old Testament. If you really want to be saved, you should add this to faith in Christ. And in God's mathematics, when you add to the gospel, do you know what you do? When you add to the gospel, you actually subtract from the gospel and thus lose the gospel entirely. So we're going to read chapter 3. Paul's going to keep this going. He just cannot get over justification by faith. And he's going to argue for some more reasons why we believe in justification by faith. So if you're able to, would you stand for the reading of God's word? I'm going to read 14 verses, Galatians 3, 1 to 14. And look what Paul says to this group of Christians in Galatia and thus to us. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? That's the second time he called him that. That after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced, or your translation may say, suffered so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a what? Curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who was hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that this passage that addresses so many things would become clearer and clearer to us in the minutes ahead. And I pray that now by faith we would receive what you want us to hear and that it wouldn't just be something we learn in our heads, but would transform our hearts and our hands as well. Father, we commit these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you have ever had to give a consequence to someone for something? <laughs> if you're a parent, you do this. If you've had to babysit children, you've had to do this. If you're a pet owner, you have to do this, although probably not for goldfish or something like that. Or a coach, you have to do this. I remember when I was in uh, junior high basketball, one of the things our coach would often make us do at the end of practice after we'd been running and sweating is one person, he would pick one person at random to come to the free throw line, and that person had to make a free throw, and if you didn't make a free throw, the consequence was the entire team had to run some more, what we called suicides then. I don't know what they call them now. Until the next guy could make a free throw, and if he missed, we had to run another one until finally somebody would end this craziness and make the free throw. That was the consequence. Well, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and he's telling them, if you add to the gospel... There's going to be tremendous consequences. They're not suicides. It's not a timeout. 
It's way more serious what he's talking about. In fact, he mentions three consequences in our passage today. There's probably more, but at least three that you will have to deal with. If you and I abandon justification by faith, where we are declared righteous in God's sight by faith and not works, this is what will happen. So here's the first one, number one. If we abandon justification by faith in the gospel, we will miss out on the Holy Spirit. Or to put it longer, if we abandon justification by faith, we will miss out on having and experiencing and growing in the Holy Spirit. Do you remember who the Holy Spirit is? Is the Holy Spirit a he or an it? It's a? Yeah, he's a he, I should say. He's a he. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is a person, the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And he is given to us the moment we believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation for our sins. He's given to us immediately to indwell us. And he's given to us to understand Scripture better, to know God better. He's given to us to assure us of salvation. He's given to us to to be reminded of God's love for us deep in our heart, where we can cry out, Abba, Father, and know God. He's given to us to do works of service and to share the gospel in a mighty way. I mean, the Holy Spirit is incredibly important, isn't he? If you look at verse 2, In three on screen, it says this. I would like to learn just one thing from you, Paul says. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And what's the answer? Believing what you heard by faith. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit or beginning by faith, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So the reason I highlighted those two things on screen, by works of the law in verse 2, and by means of the flesh in verse 3, those are the same, those are parallel statements, saying the same thing in a slightly different way. If we try to receive the Spirit or be saved by the works of the law, we are actually operating in the flesh, verse 3, which when Paul uses that term in the flesh, he's talking about our sinful nature without Christ. That's serious. If you try to add to the gospel, if you try to earn your salvation, if you think it depends on you, you are operating in the flesh, in your sinful nature, Paul says. And you will not receive the Spirit, verse 2, and you will not continue and finish in the Spirit, in verse 3. On the next screen, I highlighted a couple different things. There's verse 2, by believing what you heard, and in verse 3, beginning by means of the Spirit, that is saying the same thing as well, but in a slightly different way, too. Those are parallel statements. When we begin by faith in Jesus Christ that he saved us, we are actually beginning by means of the Holy Spirit. So do you see what Paul is saying? The Holy Spirit works not by means of our work, but by means of our faith. Faith and the Holy Spirit go together. They're inseparable. We get the Spirit by faith. We receive the Spirit by faith initially when we believe, and we continue in the Spirit by faith. We start with justification by faith in the Christian life, and we continue in justification by faith. We go in justification by faith, and we grow in justification by faith. There's so many ways to say this. And in verse 5, just to get the point across one more time, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you? So he adds miracles to that as well. Does he do that by works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And what's the answer? Believing what you heard by faith. So if we do not embrace Christ by faith and add to the gospel or even continue in works, even if we started with the gospel, we will miss out on having and experiencing and knowing and growing in the Holy Spirit. Now just think how radical this is. I know it's early still for some of us, at least for a Sunday morning. Think of how amazing this is that we get the Holy Spirit because if you read the Bible... The Holy Spirit was active in both testaments, in both covenants, but he was acting in a different way in the Old Testament, maybe to a lesser degree than he is now for us in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, for instance, the Holy Spirit would often kind of come and go. He would seem to come on key leaders, guys like King David, or even guys like Samson or Gideon who were less than ideal at times in their leadership. He would come and go on key leaders, but he didn't seem to come on everyone. And he didn't seem to come on anyone permanently. 
And so in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to a day when, when God would give the Holy Spirit in his fullness, when he would come not just on people, but in people. And not just the kings and the prophets and the priests would get the Spirit, but everyone. In fact, Joel chapter 2 talks about this, that on the last days, God will pour out his Spirit on everyone. Moses even says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, Moses replied, he's talking to Joshua here, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his what, or who, I guess you should say, his spirit on them. Even Moses was longing for the day when the Holy Spirit would come on everyone and in everyone. Well, fast forward to the New Testament, to the book of Acts chapter 2, The Holy Spirit is poured out when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit is poured out on them all, and they speak in tongues, which is a sermon for another day, but as a sign of receiving the Spirit, they speak in tongues. And the Spirit is poured out on all, men and women, young and old, servants and the rich. Everybody can have the Spirit if you believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I often thought, what would Moses say if he were here today in 2019 about this? If if Moses could come and was still alive, you know what he would say, church? He'd be like, do you realize what you have? You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and empowering you. Because of faith in Jesus Christ, you can know God. You can know scripture. You can do mighty acts of service in Jesus' name. You can share the gospel in power. You can see people change from death to life. You have the Spirit of God assuring you, convicting you of sin, helping you say no to sin and yes to Christ. And I'm only mentioning a fraction of his ministry in the Bible. You get that Holy Spirit, church. But it's only, is it by works of the law? No, it's by faith. Let's try that again. Is it by works of the law? No, it's by faith. You know, one of the phrases I hear a lot, or used to hear a lot in our culture, is FOMO. Do you know what FOMO stands for? F-O-M-O. Fear of what? Missing out. Have you ever heard that term? Well, even if you don't know the term, you understand the concept. I think more than ever before, people are afraid of missing out on things. I don't think social media has helped either. We see somebody have an awesome vacation, we're like, I am missing out on having an awesome vacation. We see somebody doing an amazing activity with their children, well, my kids are missing out on this experience. We see somebody living a good retirement, I am missing out on having a good retirement. Now, I think that can be a very negative thing. I'm, I'm talking about that negatively. But let, me talk, but let me use FOMO in a very positive way now here. If you do not start and continue by faith in Christ, you will miss out on the Holy Spirit. That should produce a lot of fear in us. That's using FOMO in a very positive way. If we do not continue by faith, we will miss out on the gift of the Spirit that God gives us to us, gives to us the moment we believe in Christ. The moment you believe, that's when you receive the Spirit. And let me tell you, it doesn't take a lot of faith to believe in Christ or receive the Spirit. It's not as if you have to have a certain level of faith or a certain quantity or quality of faith. All it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed, is what Jesus said. <laughs> that's not a lot of faith. <laughs> But our faith is not the issue, it's the object. If you can have weak faith in a strong object, that's all that matters. And we have a great object, Jesus Christ, to put faith in. So if we do not start by faith and continue by faith, we will miss out on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's consequence number one. I probably could stop there because we could keep talking about that, but let me go to the second one. The second consequence that Paul talks about, if, that, if you abandon justification by faith, if you add to the gospel, then we will not be in Abraham's line and family tree. And it's interesting that he brings up Abraham because it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of bizarre that from verse five to verse six is this really abrupt shift. Did you notice this when I was reading it? In verse five, he says, again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? or by believing what you heard. And then he says, so also Abraham. (laughs) I find that interesting. If I'm thinking about the spirit and miracles, I'm not gonna be thinking about Abraham, but he's like, so also Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The more I thought about why Paul brings up Abraham, the more it really is a genius move on his part. 
because he is confronting false teachers who are saying, yes, believe in Jesus, but add the Old Testament works into it. And so Paul's like, you want to go there? Let me play the ultimate Old Testament card. Let me play the Abraham card. (laughs) You want to talk about the law? Let me go before the law to our father Abraham. You want to say you're really part of God's people? Well, let let me tell you who's really part of God's people, you Galatians. And so that's why he brings up Abraham. How was Abraham saved? What's it say? By what? Faith. Look at your neighbor for a second and say, Abraham was saved by faith. You can do it. Faith. Now say it to your other neighbor so that everybody has a neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Abraham was saved by faith. I know that's a little awkward, but maybe you'll remember that today. <laughs> Verse 6, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you know how every Old Testament believer was saved? What's the answer? By faith. He quotes from Genesis chapter 15. This is only 15 chapters into the Bible. And he's quoting, it says, Abraham believed God, and that belief was credited to Abraham as righteousness. If you know the story of Abraham, God had promised to bless him in chapter 12 and have many descendants, and that through him all the nations would be blessed. And in chapter 15 here where he's quoting from, this is where Abraham looks up into the night sky and God says, you know, look at all the stars. Your descendants will be like all these stars. And remember, Abraham and Sarah were pretty old at this point. Couldn't have children, which was a big deal back then. I mean, I often wondered, you know, if you and I see a financial planner today, what will your financial planner tell you? You know, you need to invest more money in this or this or that. But if you saw a financial planner back then, you know what they would tell you? Have more children. (laughs) Because your children were your insurance plan, they were your retirement plan. I know that doesn't feel like for us today, they're very expensive. But back then, (laughs) they were your insurance plan and retirement plan. If you wanted to have security, you had lots of children. Well, Abraham has faith that even though he's barren, he and Sarah cannot have children, that God's going to provide. And it says that that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Look at that word credited for a second. Yours may say counted. That's a financial word or an accounting word. It means that you have a payment applied towards some end. So if you pay your rent or you pay your mortgage, the moment you pay it, that is credited to your account as being paid. You confer a status on that account that says it's paid, it's sufficient, that wasn't there before. So if you apply that to our relationship with God, when we believe in Jesus Christ, our faith is credited to our account as righteousness. We get a status that wasn't there before the moment that you and I believe. Here's how one scholar puts it. When the Bible tells us that God credits Abraham's faith as righteousness, it means that God is treating Abraham as if he were living a righteous life. Many biblical scholars have resisted this and struggled with this and said things like Abraham's Abraham's faith is a form of righteousness, that his faith was an act of obedience that somehow merited God's favor. But no, 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 that's not true. The text doesn't say that his faith was righteousness, but it was counted as righteousness. Do you hear that? In other words, his faith was not a form of works that somehow earned his salvation. God simply trusted or received his faith, and that was credited or counted as righteous. And it's not like Abraham had the most faith in the world, because if you read about Abraham, did he ever struggle with his faith? You better believe it. Several times he struggled, and yet he's called the man of faith. So it's not the quality of his faith, it's the object of his faith that he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this is actually startling if you're with me. When God credits righteousness He is conferring on them a legal status. He treats Abraham and us as actually righteous and free from condemnation, even though we are actually unrighteous in our heart and behavior. So do you see what this is saying? Almost every religion says that if you're going to be acceptable to God or the gods, you have to be righteous, and then they will accept you. Or maybe you're unrighteous, and they won't accept you, but not not Christianity. Christianity says you can actually be unrighteous, And the moment you believe, God credits your faith as righteousness, and you are righteous in his sight, even though you haven't changed one lick yet. (laughs) You're actually righteous in his sight, 
and unrighteous at the same time. But God treats us and sees us as if we're actually righteous. Are you with me? Just come back to the second service. If not, that's okay. (laughs) We'll pack it out. (laughs) God credited Abraham's faith as righteousness. Paul talks about this in Romans 4, verse 5. To the one who does not work but trusts God, read this with me, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So when you and I believe, even though we're ungodly, the moment we believe, God puts his righteousness on us and he actually sees us as legally righteous, even though we're ungodly and unrighteous, really, in our behavior. So if you want to be like Abraham, Paul says, you need to have faith, not works. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, Galatians 3, 7, understand then that those who have faith are what? Children of Abraham. Boy, that was a blow to the false teachers. They were saying, you want to be a part of the Old Testament people of God? You got to work. You got to follow the law. And Paul's like, no. You want to be part of the real people of God. It's not working for it. It's not blood or DNA. It is faith if you want to be a child of Abraham. And he goes on in verse 8. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the what? The gospel. So the gospel is in the Old Testament in some level, even though it's veiled and hidden many times. He announced the gospel in advance to Abraham by saying all nations will be blessed through you. So now this is from Genesis 12. We were in Genesis 15, now it's Genesis 12. When God promised Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you, he was announcing the gospel in advance that through you, Abraham, through your line, by having faith in God, people will be blessed, just like you. If you want to be a real child of Abraham, a real part of the people of God, it's not based on Israeli descent or circumcision or the law. It's based on faith. And then verse 9 says this, so those who rely on faith are what? Blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So Paul is telling us one big thing. If we do not have faith in God for our salvation and continue by faith, we will not be a part of Abraham's line and we will miss out on the family tree. You know, I was thinking about family trees for a second. Are family trees ever significant in our area? You better believe it. (laughs) In fact, when we had name tags, I thought about putting, why don't on one name tag you put your name And the second one, why don't you draw your family tree? And it may take some of you like 10 of those things to do so. We kind of joke about it, but that's the question everyone always asks. Well, who are your parents? Who are your grandparents? Are you from this area? And there's a lot of blessing in that too. But it can also have some bad elements too. Because if you're not part of the family, it can be hard to break in if we're not careful. We can have family treeism to talk about isms (laughs) and burn. Family trees are very significant in Bern, and they were very significant to the people then in the Old Testament and in Galatia. Well, Paul is saying, you want to be part of the best family tree ever? It's not your last name. It's not your DNA. It's not your works or performance. It's what? It's simply by faith in Jesus Christ, and you will be part of Abraham's family. Isn't that wonderful? Let's go on to the third one, the last one. So we've talked about If you abandon justification by faith, you'll miss out on the Holy Spirit. Second one is you will not be in Abraham's line and family tree. And then thirdly, finally, we will be what? Cursed. Now, I'm not talking about a voodoo hex or a witch doctor here. I'm just using the language of what Scripture says. Interestingly, in verse 1, Paul says they are bewitched. They're the ones under a, a hex of some sort by abandoning justification by faith. There's really two types of curses Paul is talking about here, I think. And this isn't on screen, but the first curse is a theological curse. Say that with me, theological curse. Where if you look at verse 10, Paul says, we just got done talking about Abraham and faith. Let me talk about works. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a what? Curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That's from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. So you see what Paul is saying? He's telling these false teachers, you want to live by the law and works? Well, then you got to fulfill every single detail of the law. you got to follow it perfectly. If you do not do everything written in the book of the law, you are under God's curse. That's why it's a theological curse. You are actually not saved. So Paul is using the very Old Testament law 
against him. You want to be saved by works? Good luck, he says. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And then he says in verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Why? And then he quotes the Old Testament again. This is from Habakkuk. Because the righteous will live by what? Faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things, now this is from Leviticus, the person who does these things will live by them. So if you want to live by the law, Paul says, go ahead. But just know you're cursed theologically. And if you try to live that way, I mean, that's, he's basically saying like the person who does the law, you're going to make the law your identity. You're going to make it your bottom line, fulfillment and meaning. That's what, that's what your life is going to be based on. That's what you will live by. And if you do that, it's actually going to lead to a second curse, I would say. So there's that theological curse where we're not saved. But the second category of curses is a very, I'd call it a practical curse or a experiential curse. You might call it a psychological curse. Because if you try to live by the law as if it all depends on you, is that really any way to live? Those of you that have very sensitive consciences know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you feel like you can never do enough to please God or never, never fulfill God's law. Or, yes, you're saved by faith, but I got to add to it. Is that a very good way to live, even just practically from day to day? Is that an enjoyable way to live? No, I mean, that, I think you understand that you feel like you're under a curse. In fact, I believe if you live by works of the law, if you try to please God out of your own efforts and your own works, you know what it's going to lead to? Let me give you a few things. It's going to lead to some insecurity. You're going to be up and down all over the place trying to fulfill God's standard. And if you're doing well, you're up. But if you're doing poorly, you're going to feel what? Down. And sometimes in the same day, it's kind of back and forth, depending on how you're doing, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, and how you're comparing yourself to others. If you try to live by works of the law, you're going to be very judgmental. This is where we got into those isms a couple weeks ago. Because you're always going to be judging others based on some standard that you've set up, rather than the standard that God has set up through Christ. If you live by works of the law and you experience this sort of practical curse, you'll be very oversensitive to criticism. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. Somebody can say something, somebody can comment on your social media page or text you, one criticism, and it'll bother you. Not just for a few minutes, but like the rest of the day and tomorrow and the whole week. Chances are, if that's you, then you are not embracing your identity through faith in Christ. You're trying to somehow work for your status before God. And even if you're not a believer and you're here today, you have some type of standard you are trying to live up to, whether it's the standard of achievement, just got to achieve and be successful, or the standard of money, just got to have a certain amount of money, or a standard of relationships, I just got to have enough approval, or friends, or a girlfriend, or boyfriend, or whatever, fill in the blank. And it is never enough. You feel like you are cursed in your heart if you're honest. Well, I have good news, friends. Verses 13 and 14, Paul does not end at verse 12. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. If you go back to verse 13 real quick on screen, you see how Christ fulfilled the curse of the law? He became a curse. He took on the curse of the law. He took on all of its penalty and its punishment. He took on death for us, on himself. In that moment, he was hung on a tree. Literally, the word there is wood. When he was hung on a cross, legally speaking, he became sin before God. Theologians have mentioned that he didn't just take on sin, but he actually became sin before God, legally speaking, so that when you and I believe in Jesus Christ by faith, legally speaking, we become righteousness. We don't just take it on, we actually become righteous in God's eyes. Christ did this for you and me, though we did not deserve it. He deserved a reward, but instead he got curses. He deserved blessing, but he got curses. You know, you think about Abraham and Christ a little bit. Abraham was called to go to a foreign land and trust God by faith that he would go to the land God would show him. Well, God called his son, the ultimate Abraham, to come to a foreign land, earth. God called his son, the ultimate man of faith, who never wavered in his faith. 
Even though he was sweating drops of blood as he went to the cross, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then in verse 14, it comes back to the Holy Spirit. Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, it might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus, that's by faith, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So if you go back to this outline, if we do not continue in faith and with the gospel, we will miss out on the Holy Spirit, we will not be in Abraham's line and family tree, and we will be cursed. But let me put it positively. If we do continue by faith, we will get the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. We will be a part of Abraham's line in the best family tree, better than any family tree in Adams County. We get the best family tree, Abraham's line, and we will not be cursed, but we will be blessed, both theologically and personally. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would embrace this teaching by faith. Father, I pray that for those of us here who may have started with the gospel but have since added to it, whether it's works of some kind, whether it's a legalism of some kind, whether it's just something else other than the gospel, we are prone to add to it so much. Lord, may we remove those additions and may we stay clearly on Jesus Christ and him crucified, as verse one says. Father, I pray that by faith, we would enjoy your wonderful ministry in our life through the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.